Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Coinbase Institutional Markets Call. My name is Greg Sutton, and I'll be your host for today. Each week, we bring you insights from the experts inside Coinbase. This week, we have George Toropoff and Tammy Yao from the Execution Desk, reviewing flows and recent crypto news. And Sid Shikar will take us through what's going on in DeFi. We have a lot to cover, but before we do, I'd like to remind you that this call is pre-recorded at 9.30 Eastern Time on October 25th. If you're listening at a later date, things may have changed, markets may have moved. With that, let's pass it to Tammy, who can take us through what happened this past week. Tammy, over to you. Sure, Greg. Ever since the last CPI event, which triggered a huge demand for Gamma and pushed up vols, realized vols for BTC and ETH have been coming off the past week as investors unwind their downside protection into this CPI. While BTC is still in its regular range of $19,000 to $20,000, ETH managed to outperform BTC this week, closing the week 1% in the green. Futures open interest in ETH is also up 15% from two weeks ago, which is signaling that interest in ETH is coming back after supply has recently turned slightly deflationary. An interesting metric worth noting this week is BTC dominance. BTC dominance is now recovering to near 40% levels, as the market again trades as a beta to other risk assets in the space. According to the Bank of America, BTC's correlation to gold has come back up. So if you look at the 40-day correlation of BTC with gold, it is now at 0.5, a huge up from zero in mid-August, while its correlation to the S&P and NASDAQ have fallen below record levels from just a few months ago. So this could be a sign that the investment narrative is switching back to BTC as digital gold again. Outside of the measures, the DeFi Pulse Index is slightly lower week on week, helped by gains in Aave after the protocol released a technical paper on its upcoming GHO stablecoin. As a whole, the crypto market is likely to continue seeing vol compression and a lag to equities until the next big risk event coming up, which is likely the FOMC in November. On to weekly movers. Clayton, a metaverse and GameFi blockchain, is up 40% week on week after the team announced a governance proposal to reduce its block rewards by one third. Aptos also ended the week 10% higher after an initially difficult week, which saw its token price plunge by almost 50% hours into its first day of trading. This rally was likely caused by a short squeeze over the weekend. But despite this short squeeze, funding rates for Aptos perps are still firmly negative across all exchanges indicating a bearish outlook for Aptos. On the other hand, Axie Infinity is down more than 20% after about 22 million AXS tokens were unlocked on Monday, triggering fears that private investors will sell their holdings following the token unlock. Outside of the odds, last Thursday, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried posted an article titled Possible Digital Asset Industry Standards which was described as a draft proposal of a set of industry standards. So in this proposal, there were quite a number of topics covered, like sanctions, hacks and accountability, consumer protection, DeFi and stablecoins. And the gist of the document is first, to have block lists and not allow lists for illicit financial activity. Second, to set a standard that requires attackers to first return funds to make customers hold and then have the option of keeping up to $5 million of whatever's left after that as a bug bounty. Third, require DeFi front end to be regulated. And fourth, to have all dollar stable coins centrally issued, regulated, 
and backed by fiat only instead of with other cryptocurrencies. This proposal stirred up a lot of backlash with many in the community expressing shock that the founder of a major crypto exchange was making regulation suggestions on DeFi and stables. Some even said that suggesting that DeFi should comply with OFAC, which is the Office of Foreign Assets Control, completely removes the decentralized part of DeFi and is nudging DeFi towards the direction of TradFi. I agree and I also think that asking for censorship at the protocol level and limiting stables collateral to fiat only does seem to go against the very spirit of crypto and its core belief in economic freedom for the people. After the backlash, SBF has since revised his post over the weekend to clarify that he wasn't making claims about what DeFi should do, but rather establishing guidelines about how platforms like FTX or Fidelity can interface with DeFi contracts. Outside of that, some other interesting headlines we are watching are SEC and SCSTC's fresh probe into whether Three Arrows Capital misled investors about the strength of its balance sheet, crypto yield scheme freeways withdrawal freeze on its platform, as well as Singapore's High Court ruling that an NFT is a form of property and the High Court has the jurisdiction to hear cases of dispute involving the blockchain. That's all from me today. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Tammy. SPS proposal was a bit shocking to some in the community. I, for one, thought he had some reasonable ideas in there. It wasn't great, notably, but it was something. Sid, did you get a chance to take a look at it? Yeah, um, one thing that kind of stuck out in particular was the uh, the kind of push to have permissioned front ends for DeFi uh, involving KYC of some sort. Uh, and there was obviously a lot of pushback from the crypto community on this specifically as it kind of uh, is against the ethos of DeFi in general uh, to have decentralized permissionless uh, code accessible to anyone. Uh, if there's permission front ends to actually interface with the smart contracts, it makes it much harder for anyone to access these applications and uh, kind of pushes uh, DeFi away from the US. Uh, you know, we saw an example of this even last summer when Uniswap implemented uh, kind of blacklists of tokens. Uh, people spun up alternative Uniswap front ends using the same backend contracts, but having those other tokens accessible. Um, so kind of permissioning this aspect of, uh, of the DeFi application stack has kind of long-ranging effects. Yeah, totally. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how this evolves. Um, I don't think uh, we know enough yet at this point. Um, now, Tammy also mentioned volatility continues to be subdued. Now, why it's been so low is something we think a lot about on the desk. Now, I personally think it has to do with the fact that leverage has been mostly cleaned out of the system. And with 70% plus declines, we're mostly left with long-term holders. Those marginal sellers have left the building. Now, that's not to say we couldn't see more declines. If traditional markets continue to sell off, at some point, even long-term holders wake up and say, you know, this is the wrong price. I shouldn't own this. Uh, but George, that's just my view. What are you seeing on the desk? Thank you, Greg. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, volumes on exchange have remained uh, at a low base over the last week, as you can see in the upper half of the slide here. And uh, we are broadly trading at volumes that are comparable to the summer of 2021, uh, just before the pickup of the market into uh, the September rally that year. I think uh, ultimately, as you say, it's a function or volumes are a function of volatility, as we discussed um, in last week's call, and as Tammy mentioned as well. Um, so while both implied and realized vola compressed volumes are likely to stay on the lower side too. 
looking at the breakdown of the volume on exchange by coin, that's the pie chart you can see here. Uh, the picture is very similar to uh, the previous weeks. Uh, BTC is up on top with around 40% of all volume, down a few percentage points uh, compared to the week before. And ETH is following suit with 34.1%. Uh, and then um, most of the remaining altcoins are sharing the, the remaining 25% uh, uh, that's left. So that's interesting. BTC and ETH are uh, still together, almost 75% of overall market volume. What should we make of that, if anything? Yes, I think this is uh, this just visualizes really the the bearish view on the market by most market participants, um, in particular in the retail segment with uh, volumes and altcoins really withering away. Uh, actually, Tether was around five percent of volume, uh, so the entire altcoin space uh, has really or was really condensed to around twenty percent of all volume on the uh, exchange. And uh, just to put that into perspective, in the bull market phases, um, for instance. Uh, end of last year, uh, we've seen uh, all the altcoin percentage of volume be closer to uh, 60%, sometimes around 70%. Uh, but on the other hand, it also means that markets are very thin. So when and if we get a squeeze up, I think the rally might be quite vicious, just given how illiquid markets are to accommodate a sudden spike in one-sided volumes. But having said that, um, just looking at the downside as well, which is also, of course, possible. Uh, but I think, as you mentioned earlier, everyone who wanted out has already sold by now, um, unless or with the exception of the very long-term holders. So uh, I'd be inclined to say that uh, if we see a continuation of moves to the downside, that's more likely to be a slow grind uh, for most points, as opposed to a very sharp move, even if equities drop. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, with all this volume concentrated in BTC and ETH uh, on the exchange overall, what have CES clients been doing? Are they in BTC and ETH or are they also uh, trading in some of these other tokens? Yes, on the trading desk, we've seen a few things over the last week or so. Uh, on the one hand, we had hedge funds and VCs uh, that are continuing to accumulate high quality alts. So these can, can be uh, L1s such as Atom or uh, L2 such as Medic or other DeFi protocols with strong revenue such as Uni as an example. At the same time, we've seen some rotations out of longer tail, lower liquidity altcoins into these high quality protocols, as well as some consolidation into BTC and ETH. Uh, but having said that, we haven't really seen major deployments of new money into BTC and ETH in the last week. But I think the uh, technical picture is improving a bit. Uh, and as soon as momentum will point up on the charts, we'll probably start to see more flows here, which brings us to equities, which actually have been pretty strong this week uh, after the, the sell-off on Friday. So I'm thinking that if the, this trend holds, uh, we'll definitely see more CTAs flip bullish in crypto as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, this move up in equities is surprising, to say the least. Maybe it's just because positioning was uh, so bearish. Um, there's obviously a lot of macro headlines uh, that have been out recently. Anything that's top of mind for you? Yeah, totally. Uh, definitely a lot, a lot of stuff on the macro front. Uh, so I think, uh, interestingly, we've seen a few uh, tactical bulls uh, emerge in equities calling for a bear market rally. That's, that's um, for a couple of reasons. On the one hand, on the back of CTAs flipping bullish in equities, uh, as mentioned, as well as uh, very low positioning, as you say, and a lot of cash on the sidelines and money markets funds. 
Uh, ultimately, the background to this is uh, central banks across the globe getting more concerned about the impact uh, of uh, quantitative tightening. And I'm not calling for a pivot or anything like that, but uh, they definitely seem to be paying a little bit more attention to uh, slowing economies. And um, we've already seen uh, the market uh, forcing the hand of the Bank of England a few weeks ago to uh, resort to buying government bonds to support the market. Uh, while at the same time actually hiking rates, which is a bit of an anachronism, if you will. Uh, so there is some talk about a switch from, uh, let's say, quantitative tightening to quantitative tinkering to respond to uh, economic data continuing uh, to soften across the globe. In Europe, we actually uh, also had a pretty interesting week. Um, the UK has a new prime minister now with Rishi Sunak, who is generally considered to be crypto-friendly and uh, closer to the market. So that's definitely one thing to watch in uh, the coming months. One thing that he's been quoted with uh, from uh, his previous stint as a, the chancellor in 2020 is that he uh, was saying that he wants to make the UK a, cup, a hub for uh, crypto. So uh, could definitely be quite uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, it certainly is interesting. And we can't overstate the importance of macro at this point. Uh, I know a lot of us, uh, you know, don't want to focus on macro and really want to focus on uh, the technology that's being built here. But uh, you can't have a $1 trillion asset class uh, that's not connected to the global economy. Um, and, you know, this week, we're going to get even more. Uh, we get a look at US GDP. And we're going to head into the heart of earnings season. And this is all really going to help set the tone for risk, which will filter through to our market, you know, as those correlations remain high. And as George mentioned, you know, we're really traders are searching for a direction here. And, uh, you know, once we find it, whether we break out to the, uh, the upside or downside, it's my view that it's uh, going to be pretty violent. Um, Sid, with that, what's going on in DeFi? Thanks, Rick. Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of... Uh... Uh, following up from the SBF DeFi discussion, there's been a lot of other uh, CeFi giants uh, getting more and more engaged with the DeFi universe. Um, so this past week, actually, Coinbase uh, announced a partnership with uh, MakerDAO uh, to where the MakerDAO community uh, voted to uh, approve for Coinbase to custody up to $1.6 billion in USDC uh, in Coinbase Prime. And, uh, you know, the MakerDAO will earn a 1.5% reward on, on their USDC. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty big development, obviously a sizable chunk of capital uh, deployed with uh, a custodian like Coinbase. And uh, in, in also in other DAO news, in the Uniswap DAO, uh, Binance has actually leapfrogged several folks to become the second largest voting uh, delegate uh, after A16Z. Uh, they recently delegated a bunch of uni tokens to their address on chain. And so they're now the second largest voter for Uniswap, uh, uh, for the for the Uniswap DAO. So, you know, CeFi heavyweights and DeFi heavyweights kind of uh, uh, mixing mixing uh, over the past week. Um, and, and then in other news in DeFi and the world of Web3 in general, Reddit uh, had their avatar NFT launch over the past week, and uh, it's been doing some fantastic numbers. Uh, if we see the kind of trading volumes of uh, of the of the collectibles, uh, they they launched it on on the Polygon blockchain, and uh, you know there it's been you know well over six million uh, you know uh, users uh, uh, who have been trading these assets, and uh, you know um, you know. 
like several several new wallets were created as as a result of this. Uh, Reddit has their own proprietary wallet, Web3 wallet called a Vault, and um, the amount of wallets, new newly created wallets, has surpassed that even engaging with OpenSea. So tremendous amount of uh, external interest uh, gained just through um, this introduction of the Reddit avatars and trading volumes are continuing to spike. You can see that in the chart if you're seeing this in in the PowerPoint. Uh, um, so yeah. Yeah, that's all super interesting. Now, with Binance delegating all that uni, is that seen as a positive for the protocol or a non-event? How is the, the market viewing that? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, um, to be honest with you. Most of these protocols, you know, Compound, Uniswap, uh, uh, MakerDAO, et cetera, are kind of governed by a few large funds and institutions who are holding the majority of their tokens. Uh, obviously, with Binance, it's a little bit of a different case as, you know, it's a huge centralized exchange as well and uh, has potentially competing interests with uh, having, you know, control over the BSC network as well and many popular DEXs on there where Uniswap is not prominently not deployed. Um, so remains to be seen whether they'll impact kind of policy, policy decisions moving forward. Obviously, the biggest one in Uniswap to date is turning on the fee switch uh, whenever that does get turned on, which means fee, a proportion of fees get paid to uh, uni holders or stakers or whatever the case may be. So remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah, we're all, uh, all us uni holders are uh, eagerly awaiting that, that fee switch. Thanks for those insights, Sid. Well, that's the end of our call today, folks. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, good luck trading. To view this episode and learn more, check out the Research Hub and follow us on Twitter at Coinbase Insto. Both links can be found in the podcast description. All statements and analysis correspond to the date of this recording. This recording is only intended for sophisticated investors. This recording should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither Coinbase nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this recording. The views expressed in this recording are not necessarily those of Coinbase. Coinbase is not providing any financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations. The receipt of this recording by any listener is not to be taken as the giving of investment advice by Coinbase to that listener.